There's no need to ask for more Between the love that we seek and the love that's already there I let this soften my soul and focus my stay Welcome to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver, Co-op Radio. I'm Tasha Sims. And I'm Mark Cron. Isn't that a great track? It's beautiful. Between, it's called. Satsang is the artist. And um, we were just talking about how when you say the words, the work, and mm-hmm. people actually think the work is work, Mark says, I mentioned that, and Mark said, well, that means they're not doing the work. And I went, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I, I saw these guys, they were doing a, um, it was their own uh, documentary right after The Secret, and it was called Pass It On, and there was somebody on the movie, and he was talking about the origins of the word work meant to really like the flower in the garden or just mm-hmm. out there in the fields, as it sprouts and grows and flowers that is work that's its work exactly and it's natural it's organic and you it's harder to stop it you know you're on the right track if it's harder to stop it than it is anything else so if i Mm -hmm. ever hear one more time don't you have an off switch I heard it last week again. <laughs> I just want to go. And I really lost it. I went off switch for authenticity, off, off switch for loving curiosity. What exactly? Integrity. Perhaps you'd like me to turn integrity off. Like, what would you like me to turn off here? Yeah, I hear you. I hear okay. Because that's, that's, that's about living a life you love and what you're passionate about because then you're just always on. And finding your tribe. I mean, honestly, it's okay mm-hmm. that people don't get what that means, but you, you want to be surrounded by people who get it. Yeah. Well, that's, okay. well, that's like our, our guest coming up this evening. He gets he it. He gets and, it. And he's, he's like a tribe brother. So, okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's do a little good news before we dive in. It's not really news news, but there are a couple of thoughts that I wanted to touch on. Okay? You into yeah, it? Yeah, please do. So here's the realization. With the legalization of cannabis... All the RCMP dogs that are trained to sniff out pot, what's going to happen to them? <laughs> I think we need to start a rescue. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually really good. Uh, I'll, do a, I'll do stand-up if my day job doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work out. Hmm, okay. Food for thought. My only other little piece, I found this super interesting. So on Netflix, there's a new show. I like cooking shows or food shows anyway that travel around the world. Um, Chef David Chang, who did Ugly Delicious, now has a new one called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. He eats his way through various cities, and the first one's Vancouver. And you'd appreciate it. Just watch that first episode. So he hooks up with Seth Rogen, who you know is from Vancouver. They smoke a joint at Queen Elizabeth Park. And then they go to Van Dusen Botanical Gardens. I never knew there was a maze, a hedge maze to get lost in there. Did you know that? No, no idea. So there they are, totally high, getting hysterical, lost in a real maze. I just looked at that and went, we have to do this. Like, it looked like so much fun. Then they went and had jelly donuts at Lee's on Granville Island, dim sum at Sun Tzu Wa Seafood, and in Richmond, HQ Barbecue Master, where they have honey Hong Kong barbecue. Kind of cool. It was cool to see our city and to see two people enjoying it so fully. Mm -hmm. Hey, we just lost our... Our guest, Trevor, call us back. I'm going to introduce him and hope that he will call back by the time I'm done. Does that sound good, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me give it a shot. So our guest this evening, we got him back. 
Is he calling back? He will. Our guest this evening is Trevor Miller. He currently serves as chair of the board for the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, or also known by MAPS. And uh, he's the former executive director of the Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance. He's featured in the upcoming documentary about psilocybin and iboga, and it's called Dosed. He's also a social entrepreneur and owner of the Liberty Root Therapy, which serves those called to experience the healing properties of African plant medicines. And iboga, for those of you who don't know, is a powerful psychedelic and also an exceptional Addiction Interrupter. Recent discoveries also show that it's excellent for treating Parkinson's disease and other neurological disorders. So Trevor's interests extend into psychedelics as evolutionary tools and practical life enhancers. He also has a passion for helping the downtown east side of Vancouver, which is our poorest postal code in Canada. Which is actually where we're broadcasting and where we're from coming right now. From. Yep. yep. Spearheading projects that benefit the residents of this neighborhood, including offering free Ibogaine therapy to those who meet the criteria for treatment. So he's going to be moderating a panel at this weekend's Spirit Plant Conference out at UBC. So many incredible speakers. I believe Trevor's doing a panel on Friday at 2 o'clock on uh, ketamine-assisted therapy, which is what we're going to dive into today. Welcome to the show, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. So it's kind of hard with you to know where to start. I'm curious about so many how things. I, how about I start about the things you guys were talking about at the start of the show, which were so cool. <laughs> like, it, I love, you're so spot on about the work. The work isn't work. The work is work in that it's about getting rid of the things that are going to allow you to blossom mm-hmm. and just setting up all those perfect circumstances I a quote that I used to write in my journal all the time um, be, well before my life looked anything like this was a James Michener quote that said the master in the art of living makes little distinction between their work and their play exactly so the, the work is about turning your life into that wonderful scenario and, yeah. and my I always said to people especially couples when I work with couples if you get to the point where when you're triggered by each other you actually rub your hands together with glee knowing that there's a portal in front of you to to enter and discover something exciting inside yourself like when you get to that point it's not work it's just the way it is yeah it's, it's, it's life. true yeah. I, it's so true I think a couple of years ago at Christmas I I was thinking about Jesus and that whole archetype and he talks about loving your enemies and of course we quick we go to loving your enemies in in another person is where your mind might go at first but i realized that christmas that loving your enemies is loving any little emotional roadblock that comes up mm-hmm. or yeah an argument with your spouse yeah. that, that's an enemy and it's yeah. you love them because those become the stepping stones that yeah. turn you into the next stage of awesomeness yeah. if you deal with them correctly <laughs> oh i love it we are so on the same page well l- <laughs> let me let me ask you this cuz i want i do want to get to i don't know a lot about uh ketamine and i do want to hear more so um but let's maybe start with how about this? Our relationship to psychedelics, I think it's changed. I want to know if you do, if you get a sense of what it might have been. I mean, socially, not individually, but in the past and how it is now and then what you envision for the future. So big general kind of question to start. Big time. Well, I've been, you know, I've kind of been, I've 
been in this world on a somewhat professional level for almost 10 years now. So I've really been kind of eyeballing decriminalization and been eyeballing the psychedelic movement overall. And I'll tell you, we are at a place right now that I thought it would take another 10 years to get to mm-hmm. when I was looking at this recently. I think, or when I was looking at this, you know, even two or three years ago, I think... Uh, I think Michael Pollan's book was huge. As I, I knew that, that, that his book, How to Change Your Mind, all about the therapeutic use of psychedelics, I knew probably a couple of years or a year before that book came out that that book was coming out. And I, I knew the impact of his writing and what it's done on Earth already. And I saw that as kind of a tipping point, watershed moment where that's a mainstream author all of a sudden talking about the the healing benefits of these these medicines and it's as mark hayden the executive director of maps canada was the first to point out to me um psychedelics in every other culture and throughout human history in general has always been a pro-social thing cultures got together to use them as healing implements to help society overall Whereas in the mid, you know, in the 60s, when everything went crazy as far as psychedelics was concerned, it was really about, uh, you know, anti-government and anti-social in a certain regard. And perhaps that's Mm -hmm. what we needed at that time. But, of course, there was incredible backlash from that. But, you know, we're just, I think we're kind of just right now stepping back into where psychedelics have always been. For, we, we went off track a little while, we took a sharp right turn there for a minute, but I think we're coming back into the fact that people are waking up to the fact that these are very acceptable medicines and profound medicines and really medicines that are so perfectly timed for what we need in the world mm-hmm. right now, which is to redevelop and uh, we realize a sense of unity, the fact that we are all one thing. And mm-hmm. I always, uh, I feel like that's the profound lesson that psychedelics tend to give most people is some sense of that. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can then use that magical buzzword in the psychedelic wor- world, integration, Ooh, yeah. in- integrate the, uh, the knowing of our unity into how we operate on Earth, I think I th- I have tremendous hope for the world. And MAPS, just a little bit more for those uh, listeners who might not know its history and its mission. Can you touch on that? Sure. So MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, and it was started in the early 80s by a man named Rick Doblin in the United States. And he saw how MDMA, the active ingredient in this kind of street drug called ecstasy. MDMA was used therapeutically, as were a lot of these psychedelics, were used therapeutically in the psychiatric realm, and they were very effective. And then when MDMA started becoming known as a rave drug, um, the government, of course, started its backlash process, and Rick saw that coming. And he actually took the DEA to court, I think a couple of times, and actually won, but the DEA didn't change their stance. And ultimately, Rick developed maps and has been working ever since then to try and turn MDMA specifically into a medicine again. So he's one of the first 
I think he's one of two nonprofits ever to take a drug through the drug de- development process. So normally, a a pharmaceutical company would spend millions and millions of dollars on a molecule that's unique to them that they can patent and make a whole bunch of money off of, and that's their incentive for putting drugs through this expensive drug development process. With MDMA, because the patent, you you weren't able to hold that patent anymore, there wasn't going to be this huge financial windfall, so pharmaceutical companies aren't all that keen to develop a drug like that, so Rick had to do it kind of on his own, and he's raised millions and millions of dollars to make that happen, so they just recently, within the last couple of years, finished the Phase 2, FDA-approved Phase 2 clinical trial for using MDMA to treat uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And the Phase 2 clinical trial went so well, I believe it was approximately 78% of the people who did that trial no longer qualify as having post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. disorder. So because it was so remarkable, the FDA granted breakthrough therapy status to the phase three study, which means MDMA should be a prescription within two to five years. Wow, that's, yeah, that's so, amazing. So he represents psychedelic, MAPS represents psychedelics overall. Um, and they're using... into psychedelics specifically, and then I'm a part of MAPS Canada, which is kind of the Canadian spin-off of MAPS. And the approach is uh, rigorous scientific evaluation of risks, benefits, all that. It's being approached that way, right? That's right. The medical model is the approach mm-hmm. that they're taking. So right. much like cannabis, that's the way cannabis finally yeah. made it, you know, earned its legitimacy is when people started using it as actual medicine. That's kind of the approach that Rick has taken as well, which then hopefully makes you know that's that's the entry point but as we've seen with cannabis it's it's legal for recreational use now as well so mm-hmm. that would be i'm sure rick would tell you he would be happy if that happened so let's let's actually talk more about uh, ketamine and the whole approach first of all how do you define it what is it so ketamine is a synthetic psychedelic it's the only ma- entirely man-made psychedelic and it was invented in the min- mid-60s i believe and it's been used in hospitals around the world ever since. Like, ketamine is used, I'm sure it was used in next to every hospital in Canada, as an example, and the, in the United States as well, today alone. And it's an anesthetic, so it's a very good painkiller. And um, it's, it's used as opposed to an opiate, for example. Mm-hmm. And it also has psychedelic effects. So... The psychedelic effects are, you know, they're they're definitely psychedelic. The word psychedelic means mind or soul manifesting, and this definitely has that kind of signature to it. Ketamine's also been used, or is used, as a street drug. So ketamine is, uh, when I first heard about it, it was called Special K, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was the one that they said, yeah, it's a horse tranquilizer. That's what that's I how, heard the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's too. how yeah, I heard I about like, ketamine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's used in veter- veterinary medicine, absolutely. Right. But, um, Do you know who pioneered is- the, the approach, the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy approach? Do you, do you know a bit about those two? Yeah, so the ketamine-assisted... So I there's a whole bunch of ketamine clinics that are opening up 
around the United States, not quite so much in Canada, although I'm speaking to you from my home province of Ontario right now, and I know there's some intravenous ketamine mm -hmm. clinics here. Um, and solely taking ketamine intravenously seems to help people lift their depression. What I'm hearing about it is people tend to have to go back again and again and again because it doesn't necessarily have that psychotherapeutic component. But then you can also take ketamine and use it intramuscularly or sublingually, and it comes on differently, and in that space it's possible to do psychotherapy. And a psychotherapeutic mo model might mean you come in, you know, maybe not again and again and again, but maybe three good sessions could help you radically lift your depression, as an example. So um, Phil Wolfson is a doctor in the United States. He's really pioneered a lot of the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy uh, protocols and training and and yeah, and so. I, I've heard too that I mean his approach is very um, heart-centered or humanistic, whereas some of these clinics, which are charging a fortune, they are doing the IVs, but it's like you get hooked up and then left in a room, as opposed to having the um, that psychotherapeutic relationship and heart relationship that can actually support a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, context is, yeah. is everything with these medicines. And, yeah, apparently I, I'm, I do hear stories of people who, are, who really don't know a thing about administering psychedelics to people, maybe haven't even had their own experiences, but they're getting ketamine and kind mm -hmm. of these sterile office settings. And, yeah, it is a powerful medicine. It is helping people, but they're, they seem to be charging an arm and a leg, and uh, people have to come back again and again and again in order to get the lasting effects is what I'm hearing. Right. And with this huge rise in depression, and there's a lot of depression that seems to be um, resistant to the, the current medical model's approach, which is SSRIs, um, I understand ketamine is not working with serotonin, but something else. It's actually a different neurotransmitter. Can you say a bit about that? Yeah, it's it's more related to the GABA receptor, and I'd, I'm getting a bit out of my realm here, but GABA is kind of, it's the same receptors that are hit when you take alcohol and Valium or benzodiazepines, so it's got this very calming kind of aspect to it. Um, and then, you know, who knows, I think with, with the psychedelic experience itself, the psychedelic experience seems to help people be able to kind of pre press reset on some of the traumatic feedback loops that they've got going, and ketamine seems to offer that for sure as well. Uh, and I think I read that they're speculating, I don't know if it's been proven because the studies on ketamine are not... Um, I, I think they're still in their infancy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read something that scientists are speculating that it increases brain plasticity, the ability for the brain to change. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. That, sounds, that sounds about right. And I think, I think one of the advantages of ketamine is there is quite a lot of research on it just because it has been used so long in hospitals. So that research, I'm not sure how deeply it's gone into things like neuroplasticity or even treating depression, although I know there are research papers on that as well, and addiction. Um, but the ketamine experience, yeah, it's, it's just, it's 
it's that psychedelic kind of reset and the research with ketamine specifically really indicates just how safe it is like that's one of the real benefits of ketamine being a legal drug being a drug that people that doctors can prescribe the safety footprint is has just been studied so deeply so we know exactly so people are not worried about addiction with ketamine um you know what i have seen ketamine addiction as in my life as an iowa game provider i have treated people for ketamine addiction so there is the chance to abuse it and i think i think that can be said for almost anything if you right. really want to you can abuse just about anything right right but um in in speaking to people like phil wilson who have administered a lot of the ketamine assisted psychotherapy protocols they haven't seen i don't think phil has seen addiction in any of his clients that he works with in that regard right and what would the training it would there be a difference i imagine there there needs to be a difference in the training for a psychotherapist who's working with ketamine or mdma or any alternative therapy using psychedelics do you know about the the added kind of things that 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 psychotherapist would need to have under their belt to be um, to offer a successful treatment I think it's kind of all of the things that you would need to know and consider if you were gonna do any kind of psychedelic psychotherapy you have to know about things like set and setting you have to know about a, a person's trauma footprint and kind of understand what has happened in that regard previously in their lives and then you know the training sessions like uh, the CIIS California Institute of Integral Studies like those kind of curriculums that train psychedelic kind of knowledge in general would be very valuable mm-hmm. I think my question you know as a psychotherapist I find you know people often ask me what what should I look for when I'm picking one besides you know it feeling good and having a good relationship is it important how many degrees they have and I say well I can only answer from how I would pick a psychotherapist it has very little to do with degrees but a lot to do with what they how they're living their own lives and what they've been through and so someone who's done their work uh, (laughs) joyfully and is continuing to do so and doesn't see it as problematic but sees it as part of evolution that's my person I look at that and I go yeah I want to walk in there and the therapist doesn't look at me as someone with a problem but understands the idea of growth that's a Mm. match for me and I wonder if that's the same with working with these alternative therapies do you believe that the therapist themselves needs to have had the experience I think you're spot on I think that's so true I was at a meeting on uh, there was a really cool meeting that happened October 4th on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo with the Vancouver with 60 people most of them tied to the Vancouver Island Health Authority plus some of us kind of psychedelic representatives but it was these 60 or so people all within the kind of bureaucracy of Vancouver Mm -hmm. Island Health Authority all interested in working with psychedelics and researching them and really trying to bring them into the healthcare system as much as they could and it was a a beautiful workshop day we're talking about where we are now where do we want to go and how do we get there and one of the the major 
um, we, we, we did takeaways, and one of the takeaways that everybody kind of voted on as one of the most important takeaways is the, what's the best way to move this forward? It's to do your own work. Mm-hmm. And it's just so critical. I think I really like... Uh, I don't know if you know A Course in Miracles yeah, very that, much. That's but, my background, 20 years, okay, 25 years, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, The Course in Miracles pamphlet on, pamphlet on psychotherapy, which, you know, clearly says, as does the rest of The Course in Miracles, say, you know, it's it's not really them that's the patient. Right, you know, right. it's you. How, how are you adjusting your mindset around all of this? Yeah. I love that the course is your background. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and I would love to I, to actually. It's kind of like it's a legit question. Going, where would a person, a psychotherapist, go to besides doing their own work, besides having the experience? Like, it really m- makes me excited about. Huh? Maybe we could offer a workshop, like in that kind of, or is somebody already doing that? The, the, so that we, kind of training. We are, and Mark is kind of plugged into this as well. We're. There is a large community of people who who work with these medicines. In they try to do it in the most legitimate way possible within Vancouver, and ultimately there is a large group of people. I think there's about 70 people. We've become an association that are dedicated towards. We're starting with ketamine. We've called ourselves Cat BC. So Ketamine Assisted Psychotherapy Association of BC. But it's a large group of professionals that sees the advantages of ketamine, wants to work with ketamine, and are getting together to make sure that it is done in a mm-hmm. really good way. So mm-hmm. we're really really trying to embody almost the eagle meets the condor prophecy, which if you know it or not, the, the eagle and condor prophecy is a Native American prophecy that talks about the time when the world will see peace when the eagle and the condor meet and the eagle is kind of that mind-based leadership kind of the system itself the medical system the bureaucracy all of the uh all of that kind of hard stuff and then the condor is the heart-centered leadership and eldership and indigenous considerations and things like that so this ketamine assisted psychotherapy association of bc is really trying to to do what we're talking about here. To we see these medicines are becoming available. Ketamine is virtually available right now. How do we make sure that this is done in a really good way? Mm-hmm. And the cannabis space is a good example, perhaps, of in in a lot of people's minds of how not to do it. Right. <laughs> You're completely focused on profit. Completely focused on efficiency. That's necess- not necessarily going to get you where you want to go. So, um, and that's to one of the big. Question, we are considering things like we're talking about here, but at the same time, we would like you to please join us. And yes, let's do a training together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I love it. All right. <laughs> and and I'm glad you bring that up, Trevor, because it's something that is coming up in community a lot these days. Is you know the, you know, doing the work versus doing the business. Right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, it's important that these therapies can be even affordable and accessible to the many people who need it, mm-hmm. as well as being you know outrageously priced because it's a uh, you know like the whole cannabis industry and things like that, mm-hmm. right? So, yep. Well, we sure. got. So that, sorry, go know, ahead. Part Trevor. of my intro there was that I came to this work because I was 
looking to help the downtown east side and that's really i've never it, psychedelics came on my radar because right. they were they seemed a good way to help end suffering but the ultimately what i want to do is is do what i can to end suffering on a large scale so the the downtown east side project with liberty route where we would work with pro bono patients from the downtown east side with a massive kind of context set up around that we would work with them for 90 days ahead of time and then do the treatment and then keep working with uh, the patient afterwards and making sure that they were entirely supported through that process so now that has kind of graduated to what we're tentatively kind of the working title right now is the underserved populations project which is we know these medicines are becoming available how do we ensure that as these medicines become available they are that how do we set up a context so that people who need these medicines mm-hmm. most are going to get access to mm-hmm. them so inner city type populations and first nations communities and uh yeah, we're really trying to hold space to to bring that forward in a good and, way. And I'd well. love to, I really want to talk about that more. I want to, we've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like to hear just more about what this kind of, what a ketamine therapy session might look like. And then, yeah, let's see if we can talk about the work here in the um, downtown Lower East Side and Ibogaine and, and all the rest. You good? Sounds good. All right. You're listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. Co-op Radio.
next inning, my traps trip back into the messages in action. The art is feeding, stop, start the disbelieving, cause the garden holds the shards, the medicine is in the seeds. When we hold tight to our right to protect them, we know our might is tenfold in connection. Our elders hold them bright lights, we protect them. The medicine is evident, the wolf, the hawk, the bear clan. We hold tight to our right to protect them, we know our might is tenfold in connection. Our elders hold them bright lights, we protect them. The medicine is evidence, the wolf, the hawk, the medicine woman, medicine man. Walking with grace, I know your face and I trust your hands. Medicine woman, medicine man. Walking with grace, I know your face and I trust your hands. back conscious living radio 100.5 fm in vancouver co-op radio i'm tasha sims and i'm mark Cron. and that was rising appalachia with a song called medicine great great song uh, choice <laughs> thanks <laughs> you left me speechless there for a second it's just like i just i, I love what you do when you pick your music it's great so te- why don't you tell her uh tell well, trevor what's coming up on facebook that's yeah, so, so hey, cool trevor, um do you know alexi bennett lith Yes, she's uh, watching on Facebook because we've been broadcasting our radio show on Facebook recently, and she says you are her hero. You had actually saved her son's life, and then she also says you're a beautiful person. And I I know you, so I know that's also both inside and out. So thank you, uh, Lexi, for for sharing. Thank you, Lexi. That brought a little tear to my eye for Uh sure. um, Her son was a, a... uh, watermark case <laughs> in my <laughs> working with Ibogaine. It was a very uh, difficult treatment that ultimately had incredible success. I believe her son is now more than three years free and clear of his opioid use disorder. Fabulous. But it was uh, pretty hairy while he was with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's as far as I'll go into it in okay. order to honor honor them good to get you know but i think the the most important thing is is it works yep yeah right yeah and and it's never easy you know i've seen enough documentaries on breaking addiction and things and it's just it's not no it's not easy easy. but let's let's finish up with ketamine and then we'll move to iboga okay so um how would you describe a session a good a session working with you know how long is it and and what would the setting be so ultimately, you know, if it's good ketamine-assisted psychotherapy with the full context, you're going to meet with the therapist beforehand, um, perhaps two or three times beforehand, just to get super prepared for the experience and super comfortable. And then, you know, if you're doing it in a, in a clinic setting, and I'm, I'm really speaking from, there's, there's nobody in BC right now that is fully operating doing ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. Like I said, we formed this association to try and make it available to more people because we know there's a huge demand and it's incredibly effective, but you can't just walk into a place Mm -hmm. in BC right now and get ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So speaking of Phil Wolfson's model in the U.S., 
you would, you know, do a, a few pre-sessions, and then you go in for your ketamine session. I've actually been to his office down there, and he's got kind of a couple of nice, super, super nice lazy boy chairs in a room, and you will sit down, put on a blindfold, and then the way he often works is the first session will be a lozenge, so a ketamine lozenge. You put it in your mouth, you keep it in your mouth for about 12 minutes, and then he'll tell you to swallow it. Perhaps he will offer another lozenge a little bit later on. But you put on the blindfold, you put on music, and essentially just go deep into yourself and see what comes up. And intent is very important, so that's something that would have been covered in those first few sessions. What's the intent specifically that you're after when you do ketamine? And and yeah, it's uh, you know to describe the experience itself would be to try and describe an ineffable thing, but it's a very interesting space. It's um, it doesn't have kind of the, the, the cultural, I don't want to say baggage, but I will, cultural baggage some of the other medicines have. Just, it's, somebody said that, somebody I, I spoke to once said that, you know, when you take peyote, for example, you're so going into a Native American mm -hmm. space and those, those patterns come up. And when you take iboga, like so often you go to Africa and you're sitting with the village right. in Africa. But with ketamine, it's, it's a new thing. And, he, and I heard this person say it's kind of like stepping into an empty room. And you're able to almost make with it what you will, but that's, I wouldn't, I'd barely say that either. It's got a powerful spirit in and of itself, but it, uh, it feels benevolent overall and coming out the other end and and before you come out let me just ask up a, a couple of questions about dosage mm. because i think my understanding is if you only take a little you don't get um necessarily you don't necessarily hallucinate you would it would just be like a body stone is that right like you have to yeah, know, so yeah. you don't necessarily it's a dissociative medicine and if you take enough you can completely dissociate from your body, but just taking a smaller amount is just almost like relaxing into your body. And do you hallucinate? Is there that aspect to it? I don't know. Do you hallucinate on any psychedelic would be my question. I, <laughs> hallucination kind of implies seeing something that isn't there, whereas most psychedelics seem to be visionary to me. They show you something that is there that you don't necessarily see in your everyday consciousness and I, I'd say that's the same for ketamine but it, it really takes you into a unique and almost cosmic space it's oftentimes people do leave their bodies entirely and might travel through space uh, you know there's there's as many different ketamine experiences descriptions as there have been ketamine experiences because and, they're all they're right. all pretty unique and so then but it it does translate to a kind of mystical out of the, an altered state basically experience yeah? yeah and and so that with depression is i'm understanding the correlation is of success is quite high with especially yeah. depression where people have tried everything they've tried all the ssris and um it's this having this kind of um contact mystical contact that is part of the uh the breakthrough if you if mm -hmm. you would i right? think it's, it has a lot to do with 
kind of stepping outside yourself for a minute. If, if you've been suffering with something like depression or anxiety and it's just been so ubiquitous, so all-pervasive in, pervasive in your life for so long, you can't get a break from it. You, you're depressed when you go to sleep. You're depressed when you wake up. You're depressed when you're mm-hmm. talking and turning. Right. And then to do, to do good psychedelic psychotherapy, ketamine included, you, you see, you put a little distance between yourself and that, and that depression. And as soon as you've put that distance between yourself and that thing, you can't quite buy its mm-hmm. validity the same way from mm-hmm. then on. Mm-hmm. Good I think it's one of the things that's going on. Right. And how has the medical community reacted, let's say, to, to Wolfson and Andre's work? I know I think, they haven't published anything, or have they? Yes, they publish so much. They have, and eh? I think there's even a book called The Ketamine Papers that he edited. Um, um, what's the... I think CREA is the name of the association. There's actually a CREA ketamine uh, assisted psychotherapy conference happening in 10 days or so. I don't have more details on that, but I'm sure you can Google it and find it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know overall what the medical community's reaction has been. They're, they tend to be pretty slow on the uptake as far as appreciating things like psychedelic medicine, but mm-hmm. the tides tide seem to be turning. Mm-hmm. Oh, so let's keep going with the process. So there you are, and the session could last how long? It's generally about an hour with the medicine in you. The experience itself lasts an hour, a little bit more than that perhaps. And that's another reason why ketamine is attractive as one of the tools for psychedelic psychotherapy is unlike psilocybin, which can be five or six hours, or LSD, which can be 12 hours. Ketamine can can kind of be fit into a, an office visit fairly easily. So it's it's about an hour or two. That Amazing. There, and especially when, when I think of all the people who come in, because I use a form of, oh, you could call it trance work, you can call it hypnotherapy, but it's not. I mean, it really is, you know, using your own, um, I think it's a natural state to be to be able to access that visionary quality but people have to relax and get out of their heads you've got to get in your body and so this sounds like a really quick way to be able to do that to begin to do this kind of inner uh, reflection but from a relaxed body centric state yeah yeah I love that and then I think once you it can really give you a head start in that and Mm -hmm. you know I've heard I've heard people say that psychedelic psychotherapy is like 30 years on a psychiatrist couch kind of thing but you know whether or not it is it gives you that break and then once you've had that break it's easier to access similar states when you don't have a substance in right right okay anything else you want to say about that Uh, let's say the how you'd close it and the kind of support or integration that's important after a session would you have to, to have another Yep. Generally, I believe with a good ketamine-assisted psychotherapy session, you would have another one or two meetings after. Um, I think ultimately they would aim to do three ketamine sessions in total is what would Mm. be recommended as well. And I Mm -hmm. mentioned the you start with the lozenge, and that's kind of putting your toe in the water and giving yourself an introduction to the ketamine experience. And then the other way they would administer it would be intramuscular injection. And that's just, uh, you know, it's a, a bit more bioavailability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the preferred 
way of administration and yeah I, the way Wolfson works as far as I know is he'll start with lozenges and then move on to the IM for the next couple and I think uh, he even gives lozenges to go so that you can administer just take a lozenge or two on your own and create the safe space to do that at mm -hmm. home as well and what is the legality of this at this point um, it is legal. It's a prescription drug. So mm -hmm. the the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy is an off-label use mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. ketamine as well. Right. Right. And, you know, different colleges of physicians might have different opinions on, on that off-label use. So that's going to vary region by region. But ultimately, it is legal, right. but a prescription drug, yeah. And have you heard of any side effects for people? I was just on a conference call right before this with the panel that's going to be speaking at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference, and Dr. Ian Mitchell is one of the people on the panel, and he's an emergency room doctor in Kelowna, and he said it's one of the safest drugs I know. Cool. And, that, and he said, yeah, he, he can't really think of a safer drug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Now, I, I want to make sure we touch on your work with Liberty Root as well. So can you kind of go over that again? You're providing support for uh, Ibogaine therapy, yes? Yes, so I, I haven't been operational with that business since uh, May of 2017. Health Canada changed the regulatory status of Ibogaine. So I started working with it. I opened Liberty Root in 2013 with my business partner. And we had a three-bedroom townhome in White Rock. We used the master bedroom as the treatment room, and we would invite people in for seven days at a time is how it was when we started, and that changed to 10-day protocols later on. But essentially, we would work mostly with people with opioid use disorder, and Ibogaine works really, really well to help detox people off of opiates. So in... Iboga itself is a shrub from Africa. It's been used ceremonially for centuries there for different purposes. And in 1962, somebody who was addicted to heroin named Howard Lotsoff in New York City, his chemist buddy knew that he would try pretty much anything. I heard this from his wife, Norma. And one day the chemist said, here, try this Ibogaine stuff. So he did, and it puts people on a... A, you know, 24 to 36 hour long journey. So he went on this journey, but he came out the other end and he said, wait a second, I haven't, I haven't wanted heroin the mm -hmm. whole time I've been on this, nor do I want mm -hmm. it now. So that's when its anti-addictive properties were discovered. And he became a real champion for Ibogaine and knocked on a lot of doctors' doors and tried to get people to pay attention. And thankfully enough, people did so that the Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance was formed I was the executive director of that for a short while. And, uh, yeah, so we would bring people in for this 10-day protocol. We had a doctor that worked with us. She would prescribe anything that we needed. And we had a registered nurse who would work with us to come in for the larger dose of medicine. But the way it would work is people would show up. We would put them on morphine so that they wouldn't go into withdrawals. Um, if you're on an opiate and you've been using it mm -hmm. for a long time and you don't get that opiate, you can go into horrible withdrawal sickness. So mm -hmm. we didn't want that to happen, nor do we want to rush into working with Ibogaine when somebody arrives. 
So we keep them stable on morphine for a couple of days, and then we'll start working with slow doses of ibogaine, and that allows us to kind of step them off the morphine a little bit before we administer a large dose of ibogaine, which is called a flood dose, and that kind of puts people into this 36-hour-long psychedelic journey. It's Iboga is known as an ancestor medicine. People, uh, it's a root. It, it, it's very earthy. Um, a lot about ancestry t- tends to come up. It's an incredibly powerful plant teacher, and it also has this incredible aspect to it that seems to kind of press reset on even somebody who's been addicted to opioid systems. So it puts them in an opiate naive state, brings them to a point as if they have never had an opioid. And it's it's like when you take ibogaine, it's putting you, if you were just to cold turkey opioids, which is a really, really hard thing to mm-hmm. do, um, but ibogaine seems to put you about three months down on that path. So the post-acute withdrawal symptoms get taken care of, cravings seem to disappear, and it seems to have anywhere from a 40 to 60% success rate. And I can say that pretty much 100% of the people who walked out the door at Liberty Root were detoxed from opiates. Their, their withdrawal symptoms are gone, cravings are mostly addressed, feeling fairly good by the time they leave. And then of course people still have decisions to make once they leave. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have that 100% success rate, but very high success rate compared to traditional addiction treatments. And, and Trevor, you were originally part of the uh, Vancouver documentary Dosed. Um, I know Tash was talking about her food documentary, but this again was from Vancouver, uh, where it followed a woman and her recovery using, you know, starting with psilocybin even, um, and leading into the iboga. Um, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about that movie while we've got a few minutes left. And you know, because you've won awards like in Melbourne, I believe a couple of other awards for that documentary as well, right? Yeah, it is such a good documentary. Dosed, D-O-S-E-D is the movie. Um, the trailer is available on YouTube. But it it started because this woman was addicted, Adrienne, was addicted to heroin and multiple drugs. She was suicidal. She said to her friend that she was suicidal, and he said, well, I heard that microdosing mushrooms might help for addiction and he was completely psychedelically naive himself but mm-hmm. had recently read an article or something mm-hmm. and they did a bit and he's a filmmaker so they said do you want to film this she said sure so they administered some mushrooms to her they did a bit of research realized it wasn't a microdose but maybe a larger dose <laughs> might be something to help addiction so she took about two and a half grams i think the first time and they filmed this process and uh, they were obviously psychedelically naive, mm-hmm. and but she came out the other end and realized she didn't want to kill herself anymore, and the depression lift, lifted quite a bit. So they kind of continued down this path of trying to find plant medicines that would help her addiction, and the because she was addicted to opiates, the... <coughs> Um, the mushrooms didn't, while they helped with things like depression, they didn't quite take care of that withdrawal sickness. So the withdrawals came back, so she was using opioids again. And then she ended up coming to a MAPS Canada fundraiser that Dr. Gabor Mate was speaking at, as well as Rick Doblin and Mark Hayden, and asked 
spoke to them, they, the first person they spoke to was Gabor, actually, and he said, well, if Ibogaine, if for opioid addiction, you need to look into Ibogaine. So they started getting in touch with the Ibogaine providers in town. I had closed the doors on Liberty Root at that point, but my friend Mark Howard at Iboga Soul, uh, we, Liberty Root and Iboga Soul, shared the same house for a year. He would work out of it for a week, then I would work out of it for a week. And he said that he had start, he'd been talking to these movie people, and I said, oh, I better get involved then. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I did get involved and just kind of played a consultant role through the whole process. And Mark's seen the movie. It's an awesome movie. It's so compelling. It's cool. We were yeah, really yeah. nervous. We were nervous. Like when we saw the first rough, rough cut, we're like, oh, man, what did we get into? <laughs> and didn't want it to hurt the medicine or the movement. But, yeah, as soon as you see it, you realize, it, wow, it's a great this is movie. really Grass, well done. Grassroots and so authentic. That's what I love about it with the, you know, the guys who didn't know much about the, the medicines and things and just the way it naturally pro progressed. I thought it was great. So, And one yeah. thing I do want to say is, uh, Adrienne, the filmmakers, yourself, you're all going to be at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference this weekend as well. Yes, we will. Yeah. I'm on a panel about psilocybin as well, and in that movie, she was, uh, she did therapeutic psilocybin a couple of times, once with uh, some other people, and then at the end, they said that she was looking for another larger dose, and so they provided all the medicine, but I was happy to sit with her for uh a larger dose of psilocybin which really was the icing on the cake so yeah great movie yeah Please fantastic see it it's well, calgary calgary on uh december 3rd um victoria on the 20 november 24th i think okay but if you go to dosedmovie.com you can see all the dates and it's yeah it's huge in australia it's Perfect. been it it's played in melbourne uh, at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, two months before the showing, tickets went on sale. They sold out within two weeks. They added mm. another show. It sold out within a week. They added a third show for the <laughs> first time in the history of the film festival, added a third show. It sold out, so they added a fourth show. Why aren't we showing it in Vancouver? We, we did. When? We showed did it I a couple it? Mondays ago at the yeah. Vogue Theater, but there, there will be more showings. We sold we'll get out it out 1,200 there. seats. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we've got to wrap it up here, Trevor. We've got like a minute to uh, switch over. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming out and sharing mm -hmm. your mission and, and your dream and your work, the things you're doing with MAPS. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's a pleasure to know you as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the panel at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference this weekend, uh, which is sold out. If anybody could get reach me by email, I'd probably have a few extra tickets left uh, that people have kind of canceled out. Um, other than that, you can see it anywhere in the world on live stream. So you can sign up and, at spiritplantmedicine.com. And maybe just tell our listeners, too, where they can, if they want to get a hold of you or find out more about you, how they would do that. Sure. My website is still up at libertyroot.net, and uh, trevor at libertyroot.net is my email address. Okay. And, yeah, I'm on Facebook yep. a lot. I post a lot of memes. <laughs> you certainly do, and they're great. Um, and it's all on consciouslivingradio.org. There's there's some information there to get a hold of, of um, Trevor and more information on maps and Liberty Route there as well. Thank you Perfect. so much for joining us. Thank you so much. That was a great hour. Have a great evening, everyone. See you on the weekend. You've been listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver, Co-op Radio. I'm Tasha Sims. And I'm Mark Crone. Catch you next week. 
breathe out They say it's all going down, yeah, all gone down But from your center, you can see it's just going up and around Breathe in, breathe out